This is Annie Grace, and you're listening to this Naked Mind podcast, where without judgment, pain, or rules, we explore the role of alcohol in our lives and culture. Hi, this is Annie Grace, and welcome to this Naked Mind podcast. I am so excited to have Ken here today. Hi, Ken. Hey, how are you doing, Annie? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing well. It's uh, a little cloudy here in my home, uh, but uh, you know, spring's coming in. It's been uh, it's been a nice spring for me. Yeah, we were having our our you know end of spring snowstorm yesterday and today. It always happens that way. It's like one last hurrah. <laughs> you have you have mud season coming up soon, right? Yes, mud runoff, flooding, the whole thing. Yep. But nothing like that. I'm in Virginia. We don't. We don't quite get that. It's, it's just green as everything here. I've mowed the grass like a, a dozen times already. Beautiful. Love it. So why don't you kind of walk us back to the beginning for you? Like where, you know, where did it all start for you with alcohol? What was it like yeah. uh, growing up? Stuff like that. Well, uh, you know, I grew up in a time when uh, in the 70s where, you know, it wasn't uncommon to, uh, you know, get together with the guys, get in the car, stop at the convenience store and, uh, you know, pick up those quarts of uh, brands of beer that are uh, not even made anymore. You know, like uh, <laughs> Schlitz, Iron City, things like that. Um, and I grew up in West Virginia at the time. The drinking age was 18. So uh, it was easy to, uh, you know, fudge it a little bit and uh, and get a head start on things. You know, and, uh, I went to college and, uh, you know, the school I went to had a, you know, hard partying reputation. And, uh, you know, I did my part to, to keep up with that. Uh, but, you know, I got through all that in, in, in good shape, um, just pretty much the normal college binge drinking and such. And then, uh, you know, settled into life, but moved along and probably be, I'm 60 now, it's probably about 10 years ago, I started to detect it like, ah, you know, I may be, may be drinking a little more than I need to, you know, just having a beer or two each night. But then pretty soon that's becoming uh, a much more common thing by about five years ago, I'm starting to, to realize that, you know, I'm, I'm supplementing, shall we say, you know, my, my regular drinking with uh, just a few on the side, you know, you get done mowing the grass and you want to have a beer. Well, it won't hurt to stick another one in the freezer there to have later. Nobody needs to know about that. So you're having more. And, uh, you know, by about three years ago, I knew I was in a, a, a big problem. And I was in that situation where you're, you know, you know, it's not a sustainable practice. You know, this just can't really continue the way it's uh, going on. And, you know, you, you want to slow down, you want to moderate, you want to stop, but you're not quite sure how to uh, bring it out to people. You you find yourself, uh, I think, because of the the stigma, you know, we yeah. associate with with alcoholism. It, it's uh, it's very difficult for people. At least it was for me, just to say, hey, you know, I'm I have a problem with uh, I'm drinking. that I really want to, you know, you, you don't, you're going to put that brush that says, Oh, are you an alcoholic? Well, that's, that's not good. You know, what are we going to do about that? As opposed to like, wow, well, geez, that's a, that's a problem. It's understandable since alcohol is an addicting substance and we, you know, we all drink it. So yeah, let's see what we can do to help you out. But you know, that's not the way you think, you know, you're afraid that you're going to be 
an alcoholic and, and nobody yeah. wants to be that. <laughs> so uh, probably about, well, I've been uh, sober for over two years ago. So about, about two years and a few months uh, back, uh, you know, I just finally just broke down. I had to tell my family that, you know, look, I, I've, I've got a real drinking problem. I'd gone from having that little bit of extra beer or wine around to, to having, uh, you know, the, to making those stops at the liquor store, keeping the, uh, you know, the extra vodka stashed around the house and, you know, nipping off and, and having to have more because you couldn't stop yourself. You had to keep that that rush of uh, alcohol consumption going on. So yeah, I came out to them and said, look, I really got a problem. And uh, from that point, um, I got, well, you know, I just decided I would stop at that point and did pretty well, but then I slipped back and was very fortunate in being uh, outed by a friend of the family who happened to see me popping into the liquor store and knew this is the problem. So I, I, have, I show up at home after work and uh, you know, there's my wife and my, my grown son, he's 25 now, sitting there waiting for me. And I was like, yeah, something's going down. So at that point, I, um, I uh, went to uh, counseling you know, with them before you started, uh, before you decided yeah. to stop sort of the first time, was there any specific incidents? Were there any things that happened or was it kind of a just accumulation? I'd say it was more of a, you know, just an accumulation, you know, uh, again, you know, as I'd said earlier, I, I, you really, I really felt like, okay, I, I understand this is unsustainable, you know, the, the way I feel, uh, you know, I can see what this is doing to my health, you know, the the things you always read about, you know, getting up in, at three o'clock in the morning, you know, just horrible night sweats, just, you know, feeling hung over every day, trying to track and control your drinking and realizing like, oh, you know, a real win of a day was if you had four or five drinks, you know, that was, that was good, you know, so, you know, you just realize that this can't continue. And uh, I think, I think the ultimate culmination was uh you know one night being at home and uh and uh you know nipping off my my extra drinks here and there and then just my wife just looking at me and I say what is wrong with you you know there's what is wrong and then you know I finally just broke down and said look I, I this is what's going on yeah that makes so much sense mm -hmm. and it's kind of like at that point you already know internally so deeply that just a little bit of reflection from someone else. You're like, yep. Yeah. Shake it up. Yeah. You know, it's something, you know, something's wrong and you've got to, you've just got to uh, do something. But again, it, it's, it was hard to do because it's, it's hard to ask for help if you have an issue with alcohol. I think mm -hmm. uh, as it's been pointed out, pointed out by you and a lot of other people, you know, if you were to say, wow, you know, I, I'm just smoking too much. I really need to quit smoking. Everybody be right on board with helping you with that. Like, yeah, of course, tobacco is terrible for you. You should stop, you know, but if you're, if you're drinking, it's, uh, it has a whole different connotation to people. Yeah. And it's, it's, um, yeah, it's so that difference is so pronounced, right? When you're, nobody feels there's no, you've done something wrong, shame on you, go hide in the closet. If you, you know, are just like, I want to quit smoking. 
Right. <laughs> so interesting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's a real feeling of guilt about it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure we'll dive into it later, but that's one of the, the valuable things I, uh, you know, uh, change in mindset I picked up from, uh, you know, reading your book and uh, coming in, in touch with some other people who are out there who, you know, had a very different look on, uh, you know, what's going on when you've got a drinking issue. Yep. Yep. For sure. So then, um, somebody caught you at the liquor store, you came home yep. and got the confrontation there from my, uh, like I said, from my uh, wife and son and they, you know, and, then, and right then it was, that was really the big turning point. You know, the first time had been a, uh, a turning point for sure. When I said, wow, I've got a problem, but that was, that was it for me. I just realized, you know, I just can't, continue on like that so i you know i fessed up okay you know here's what i got here's my uh you know miniatures that i picked up to uh tie myself through the day or the night and uh and uh yeah i'm i'm i'll do what i need to do to uh to to get control of this and i because i just didn't want to go through that anymore you know, I didn't, I didn't like it for myself and I didn't like the, you know, what I was seeing it doing to, uh, you know, the people I love. Yeah, for sure. That's hugely self-aware. That's great. So then what, what steps did you take? Well, at that point we, uh, you know, my, uh, unfortunately my family knows some people who are in social work. So they were able to make uh, some good recommendations on the counselors who work with this. We went in as a group, you know, my my uh, wife, my son, and I, and uh, you know, talked to uh, uh, the fellow we worked with, and he he was quite good. He suggested at the time that uh, you know I should look into uh, going uh, doing like outpatient rehab, and you know I was like, okay, that's that's fine, I'll do that. That'll be great. Uh, you know, again, I, at this point, I was on board. I wanted to lick, like lick this problem. I didn't want this problem to go on anymore, and. Um, so, you know, I, I started looking into the, uh, the local rehabs and such and, uh, and then, uh, you know, went and visited a couple and I, and I didn't like really what I saw. Uh, you know, I, I felt like stepping into those, I was stepping into, uh, for lack of a better word, the, uh, you know, the rehab industrial complex, you know, it looked like a situation designed to kind of take, take, you know, put me on their schedule and then, you know, take my money from me, uh, you know, and even though I'd had, you know, kind of a relapse, um, not kind of a relapse, I'd had a relapse. Uh, I felt at the time that I was starting to do some things that were turning my, uh, myself around that I was getting on a much better place. So, and, you know, they said, okay, you need to be coming in here like every night and doing all this and that and the other thing. And uh, I was like, wow, that's going to stop me from like doing the things I think I'm doing now, which are helping me out. Uh, for, for example, I have a long history as, a, as an athlete. I'm a marathon runner. I'm an ultra runner. Uh, I've done an Ironman race, triathlon. And, uh, you know, I, I was able to at the time I was getting back into a good flow with my exercise. I'd taken up yoga and meditation and that was great. I was getting on a good schedule with that. So I was really feeling like, okay, I'm, I'm starting to do positive things for myself that are working out. And I looked at what rehab was going to ask me to do. And it was going to like, that was going to take that all away from me because I wouldn't have time to do it anymore. I would be going to work and then going and sitting in meetings with them. 
So we went back to my, uh, our, our counselor and I said, told him, I told him basically that. I said, I, I don't like what they want me to do there. And he said, well, uh, tell you what, why don't you try going to like AA three times a week and see how that works for you? So I, I very dutifully uh, started attending uh, AA meetings and only to find out later that he didn't think that was going to work for me. He thought, no, nah, nah, he'll, he'll, he'll relapse and he'll have to go to rehab. But uh, I dutifully did that. And uh, in the meanwhile, really kept looking around for other resources and other, uh, other people's writings on the issues. And I think one of the early things for me is I stumbled across uh, Holly Whitaker's uh, Hip Sobriety blogs and and i loved holly's attitude you know she's so rampant well she's rampantly kind of feminist and i i, I like that her attitude and i just liked her sort of uh do i have to watch my language here <laughs> I, I liked her uh sort of you know fuck off alcohol uh look at things so uh that was good i liked the way she looked at saying you know you know don't be don't uh, think of yourself as uh, an alcoholic. Think of yourself as somebody who's got a problem with alcohol. It's a whole totally different thing. You're not a, you know, you, you've, you've got a problem with this and you can fix it. It's not, there's nothing inherently wrong with you that you can't, you know, take care of. And by bumping into all that and some other things, the, uh, the Reddit uh, uh, stop drinking uh, subreddit, was a you know a really supportive kind of group and that's when i kind of bumped into your book which i found probably one of the uh, you know most crucial things for me because it had a you know scientific a much more scientifically based look at uh this is what's going on in your mind this is what's going on in your brain and it's much better than if you were having a bad day and thinking wow you know i've got cravings for alcohol to say Oh, I understand why I have a craving for alcohol. It's not that, you know, I have defects of character that are leading me astray. It's that, you know, you're pouring rocket fuel into your body and it's, and it's really messing up your brain. So, you know, it gives you a better place to work from to get there. So uh, long story short, I, I did, you know, because I promised to everybody, I, I did AA for a year, you know, uh, uh, for six months, I did three meetings a week. Then I did two months. Then for uh, six months, I did two a week. And then when I got to one year, I picked up my chip and uh, and that was that with them. Though I did go back to the first meeting I'd gone to on my second anniversary. Nice. And, yeah, and that was just a really weird eye opener because you, you know, I become accustomed to realizing, you know, what alcohol done to me and how I could how I needed to approach that. And I went into this meeting and heard all these people saying, wow, I'm a really messed up person. And, I, and that's why I'm drinking as opposed to like, wow, alcohol really messed me up. How can I stop drinking alcohol? And, uh, you know, so here I am about uh, two, two years and uh, about a month and a half out and, uh, you know, feeling great. That's so Even awesome. Yeah, I'm keeping LaCroix in business like I think a lot of people do, you know, <laughs> after they quit drinking. <laughs> but other than that, I'm feeling great. That's great. That's so awesome. And then um, when you wrote us originally, you were, you, you'd used some tools, like some technology tools oh. that I think are really fascinating. 
Yeah, yeah, that's an interesting point. Well, you know, you start looking around thinking, uh, when, once you get off the mindset that there's something really, you know, wrong in, you know, deep within you, you start looking at, okay, how can I work around this, this problem I have? And one of the things I did was I just, I thought, gosh, you know, I'm, I'm using my smartphone. I mean, I have a smartphone that's crammed with apps. There's got to be something out there to help you with uh, that. And, and so I started searching and sure enough, you can buy, um, uh, breathalyzers that link to your iPhone. And uh, early on, I saw that. I said, wow, that's great. I told my wife and family, I said, okay, you guys get your app and uh, I'm going to be checking in X number of times per day. And, uh, you know, you just do your business and it just automatically pings them that, that you've checked in and you're okay. And, and that was really helpful um, early on. You know, I mean, you, you get cravings. It's hard to stop sometimes. You know, you're driving down the same road and you know where you can make that turn to park behind the shopping center and walk around the corner to the liquor store. And every time you drive by, you feel your pulse start to go up a little bit, but you know, you're going to be checking yourself. You know, you're, you've made yourself um, uh, responsible. Nobody's telling you, you have to do it. You said, I'm going to do this and you're going to know. So that was good. Very affirming uh, kind of thing. And so, I love that. Yeah. I'd urge anybody to uh, use a tool like that. Just do a Google search. You'll find these things. Out and it's, it's, I think it's really powerful because I think when people rebel against those sorts of things are when they're forced upon them, right? Because then it doesn't feel like you've empowered your own choice. Yeah, yeah. And I think that almost relates back to what I'd said about the whole rehab thing. It felt like, uh, okay, I, I understand I've got a problem and I'm working on it now. If you put me in rehab, I'm not going to feel like I have a choice. People are forcing me to do things. And I, I looked at that. I was thinking, if anything would make me relapse again it would be you know feeling like i'm being you know railroaded down some some route you know i i need to have control of this and i think that you know the more control i could take over it uh the better i felt about it that's and awesome better success so i mean you know like i said it's been about you know like one one relapse really over over the, that span and uh, you know it's doing going going great so with your with the technology, do you feel that it would have been as effective and helpful if you had not given the app to your son and to your wife? Yeah, no, it wouldn't have been nearly as effective because uh, you know they were they were kind of they were a really big part of this. Uh, you know, if it hadn't been for them uh, realizing kind of what I was doing to them, besides myself. Uh, and also them, you know, confronting me, you know, when I'd slipped back, um, I probably, I, who knows what, where I would have ended up, hopefully well, but, you know, it was good that it happened. So, you know, having the people you trust and love that you can, you know, let them know that you're taking this seriously. And uh, uh, yeah, it was super helpful. And, and the I fact assume that they knew right away, you know. Yeah, and it, I assume it rebuilt quite a bit of trust. It did, yeah, it did. I, I'm trying to remember the exact time I, I quit using this device. You know, I think at a certain point we said, okay, you know, we can, we can just stop using it. But there were, you know, to be honest, there were a couple occasions after that where, uh, you know, for whatever reason, they're, they're going to have their suspicions. They think, okay, there's, I, I don't know, for whatever reason, I feel suspicious. We, I need you to do this. And, you know, I would, I would say, yeah, run through the drawer, pull it out and say, yep, yeah, I'm okay. But it did help rebuild trust. Yeah, for sure. That's, That's really great. cool. And I think the dynamic here is, is really interesting because it was 
you did it for you, but you involved them. And so right. you felt fully in control. And um, then they felt really great because they were, you know, being kind of brought on the journey and they were part of the solution, but it wasn't originating from them. Yeah, I was, uh, I think that's a really good way to put it. And I, you know, I've never really talked to them too much in depth about, you know, exactly what their feelings were, but I think they liked the fact that that was there, that that was a resource that was there. And, uh, you know, they knew what was going on. They knew, you know, it wasn't just me saying, yeah, I'm doing fine. You know, I'm okay. They knew checking in, you know, I'm, I'm okay. Yeah, it's great. I talk a lot about like this idea of positive peer pressure, you know, telling people you love. And a lot of times people are so afraid of positive peer pressure because they're like, well, I want to get this under control. So I know it's under control so that when I tell the people I love, I'm on firm ground and I'm not going to disappoint them. But you had a level of vulnerability that was like, look, come along with me, support me, but under kind of my um, framework and my rules, so to speak. Like I, I'm telling you how many times I'm going to check in. I'm telling you what you can hold me accountable for. And then, so you invoke the positive peer pressure totally on your terms. Um, and just had, I, I, I think it's really powerful and I think it's really interesting. And I wonder if you could talk at all to that fear of, Oh, well, I don't want to tell other people. I'd rather nip this first because I don't want to disappoint them. Yeah, that's, that's really interesting point and it's and it's very true i i spent a lot of time thinking to myself that okay i i can get this under control it, you know you, and it kind of again relates back to i think how in society we look at an alcohol problem that uh, you know we don't look at it as well you become addicted to a, a substance and it's only natural that it would happen because people are telling you to drink all the time and uh, uh I, you know, I, so I struggled for a long time trying to get this under control and I knew I had to get it under control, but, uh, yeah, I couldn't do it really until I finally just came out and said, because if you're only, you know, uh, doing it, you know, being, uh, responsible to yourself, it's, it's really easy to just kind of put it back. It's like, okay, well, you know, I did okay you know, through the day and I did okay yesterday. So yeah, I can reward myself by uh, tossing a few back here as opposed to finally, uh, you know, coming out and saying, I I just can't do this anymore. I have to stop. And, uh, you know, you just, it's, people are going to be suspicious anyway, if you just say, yeah, I just decided to quit drinking. They're going to say, well, why why was that? You know, it's going to come out at some point. So, you know, what's the old analogy? If you're going to take the bandaid off, you you can try to take it off slowly or you can just rip it right off and uh, put up with a minor bit of pain for a while. So I think uh, it, in my, in my case, I finally got to the point where I just had to you know, rip the adhesive tape off and, uh, and, and get started on the process. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's fascinating. I think that um, I remember that so vividly, there was a moment where I got a text from a friend and I hadn't spoken to her in like six or eight months I'd moved. And so we weren't as in close of touch. And, and she's like, the text is basically like, oh, Annie, I heard you'd stop drinking. I'm, I'm so sorry. I can't imagine what you must have gone through to make that decision. And uh, I just wanted to let you know that I'm here supporting you in any way I can and whatever. And I was just like, wow, that is so contrary. Like that's, it, it shows 
if that's our gut reaction to somebody stopping drinking, like what must have you gone through? Like what, what must have happened? You know, Um, when, you know, the reality, and it sounds like for you too, was that, yeah, you know, there were, there were red flags, but we saw where the train was going and decided to get off of it before any of those things happened that we sort of had to, you know, go through. Right. Yeah. That, that's a good way to put it. You know, one of the things you mentioned earlier about positive peer pressure, uh, you mentioned your friend, it reminded me of an interesting part of this whole dynamic was that, you know, my son went to a very small school and, uh, you know, unlike uh, a lot of people go to larger schools, you know, you kind of lose track of people. He, he really stayed in touch with, you know, all his old schoolmates and uh, it turns and uh, so, you know, we had a whole circle of friends based around that, you know, the parents we knew from other kids. And uh, once this all ha- blew up, he, he told all his friends and a lot of them just went ahead and told their parents. So right away you had this whole, uh, for the positive side, uh, you know, a support group around you, you know, so when the new year's party comes up, people are being very, uh, very nice, you know, very nice and considerate of you and saying, Oh, you know, we've got, uh, we've got soft drinks over there for you, you know, but and in a way, that's a little annoying, but <laughs> but also it was good. Again, there was this whole circle of people who just knew that, okay, you know, this is what's going on with Ken. And, um, you know, and, and in a way it was a positive thing. Uh, and it created more of that positive, uh, you know, peer pressure around me, really. Yeah, that's awesome. That's so good. I think that's yeah, sometimes it happens accidental, like with your son, sometimes it happens on purpose, but I think it happening is really important. I mean, I, I sent an email to like pretty much all my close friends and family right away. And it's like, Hey, stop drinking. And I remember my brother who stopped drinking years and years before me wrote back. He's like, wow, that's a ballsy thing to do. Basically. I was like, hey. <laughs> and, um, but it was that thing like, okay, well that's, that's out there now. You know, it's not because yeah we can trick ourselves so easily, you know, oh, like you were saying, well, one won't hurt. Well, it's not that bad. Well, just a little, I mean, it's so easy to talk yourself in and out of something, you know, because you're in your own head. Whereas if you're, if you're really invoking that, what are other people going to think? There's a lot of power in that. So that's, that's huge. So, I mean, I, I love this aspect of, of technology combined with the positive peer pressure. I think it's huge. I think a lot of people can, you know, probably follow in your footsteps and be helped by that um, nuance you've brought to this whole conversation. It's very, very cool. Nice. Glad to hear that. So um, I always ask this kind of at the end, can I, you know, hiding, hiding vodka around the house and stuff about what life is like now and um, what encouragement would you give him? Um, I missed the very first part of that. It, it kind of froze up, but I guess you're asking if, if I was talking to somebody in a similar situation. Oh, no, if you were talking to yourself. So if you were talking back oh. to Ken of a few years ago. Uh, well, the first thing I would say is, is, uh, is you get some knowledge about what's going on with you. I, again, I, and I just can't say it enough. There's, we have as a society, uh, you know, a certain look at, you know, what, you know, uh, substance abuse related to alcohol is, and, and that's just means that you're an alcoholic, you know, and that's, that's a bad thing. And well, it's certainly not a good thing, but, but it, it 
brings up all those connotations of, uh, you know, you, you've got a problem deep inside you that's causing this. You've got this, oh, whatever they want to, whatever you want to say, oh, you have a genetic problem. You have this problem. You have this problem. You have this problem. As opposed to just looking at the fact that, look, you're, you're, you have an alcohol problem because alcohol is extremely dangerous. And uh, many, many people get caught up in, in the web of what it can do to you. So if I were talking to myself, I'd say, do some reading, find out, you know, what's going on. Why are you craving alcohol? You know, what's going on? And then the other thing I would say is like, um, it's totally cool on the other side of this. You know, one of the things I often thought about when I was uh, you know, first realized, look, I just can't drink anymore is that there's actually uh, probably billions of people in the world who live really interesting and productive uh, lives who just don't choose to drink. And if, if you just look around a little bit, it's not too hard to find them. There are, you know, a lot of positive role models out there. And, uh, you know, it, they're not just like, you know, dull, gloomy people, you know, they're people doing interesting things. And so, you know, realize that and realize that, you know, you, your, your identity isn't, uh, isn't all wrapped up in, in, you know, drinking. It isn't rap, you know, you can go off to the, uh, the brew pub with your friends and uh, enjoy yourself. You know, we just had the uh, national basketball championship for the NCAAs and uh, I live in Virginia and the University of Virginia won the NCAAs. So I spent like uh, the final four hanging out in brew pubs with people watching basketball games, watching copious amounts of beer being drank and still having just a great time drinking a cream soda. You know, so, you know, you, your life doesn't end when you quit drinking. And if anything, it probably becomes, a, you know, a lot more interesting. And also, so, yeah, you, there's, there's some, some good stuff on the other side. Uh, let yourself know exactly, you know, what's going on. Find out what's going on in your brain. And, uh, you know, just don't be afraid to talk to the people you care about that uh, this is going on. And then going forward, just don't be afraid to say to people, yeah, I, I don't drink. If they want yeah. to know about it, they'll ask about it. But frankly, I, I haven't found that most people are really that interested. Just kind of say it and, and that's the end of it. Yeah. So good. So good. I know people really try to overcomplicate that, I think. And I speak from my own experience. I felt like I certainly tried to overcomplicate that. <laughs> and when you're so stuck in the, oh my gosh, everybody's going to judge me. It's going to be so weird. Or if you have a few experiences where that does happen and you don't yeah. yet have the insight to realize that's actually them just reflecting their own insecurities onto you, um, right. you really can start to overcomplicate that. And I think that's really true. The energy you bring to that conversation, if it's, well, you know, I mean, I, I kind of like just stop drinking. Um, it, it just invites like a barrage, right? But if it's just this closed, confident, yeah, no, I don't drink. Like that's that. Like my husband does it beautifully. And it's funny too, because he, he just like, he doesn't have the emotional background with it. Like he's somebody who truly just chose to stop drinking because after he saw the research that I'd done and after just being married to me for a few years, he's like, okay, like no logical person would put that in their body anymore. Like, <laughs> and so he's smart and he's like, no smart human being would drink alcohol that does, but once you know, like if you don't know, then that's fine. But, but once you know, like the, there's just no, so, so there was no for him shame. There was no, 
I messed up. There was no, I mean, I don't even, he maybe got drunk like five times in his whole life. Like none of that. He was just like, this makes no sense. So for him, that conversation is so easy. There's no over emotion in it. There's no emotion in it. It's, it's not triggering. It's like um, he got somebody, we went, we live in a big forest, right? And so there's forest fires, a massive concern. So last Saturday we went and all the neighbors were cleaning up all the dead trees. So we all met together. We were cleaning up dead trees. And um, some neighbors come up and introduce themselves to him. And they're like, hey, do you like beer? Like, that's literally their intro line. He's like, no, I don't drink. But, you know, what's up? And he, they're like, oh, well, we have a barbecue and stuff. And he's like, yeah, I still love to come. And it was so seamless and just like, a, um, you know, just a non-issue because it was such yeah. a confident, closed energy, you know, not inviting a lot of debate, but I think that's really true. I, I think you're spot on. I think people absolutely overcomplicate that uh, just based on their own fear and emotion. And again, speaking from experience, I know that's exactly what I did. <laughs> right. Well, you know, and I think uh, Holly Whitaker is so good about relating the idea that the message is out there that drinking, it goes with everything. It doesn't matter what you're doing. You should probably be drinking. You know, the, the alcohol industry wants you to, you know, treat it as uh, something completely normal and something you should be doing all the time. You know, and uh, she, I love to hear, read her rail against, uh, you know, the whole, uh, you know, wine and women problem. You know, like, hey, having a play date with the kids? Well, bring some, bring some uh, nice rosé, you know, it's, which actually doesn't make a hell of a lot of sense. Why you should be uh, sitting there drinking while your kids are, while you're trying to interact with your kids. Yeah. But yeah, so you know, it's it's a it's a very different world on the other side when you're looking at it and saying, gosh, yeah, it really doesn't make a hell of a lot of sense. And um I, I can't say I've had any occasions, you know, in the last couple of years where I've thought, gosh, I really wish I were still drinking. Right? <laughs> yeah. Once once you get over the craving and the thinking. Yeah. Exactly. Every time I hang out with people who do drink, I have the exact opposite and uncomfortable feeling. I remember the first, um, about a year and a half into it for me, we went on a big camping trip with a lot of different uh, people who always drink. And we'd gone to the grocery store, we bought a bunch of good food, we we're just about to go into the mountains. And then like, wait, wait, we need to stop at the liquor store. And I hadn't even thought of stopping at the liquor store, which would have been totally our routine before. We'd camped before right. these people and always would have stopped at the liquor store. Of course, you can't, you can't not get food and, and forget the beer. Um, but Brian and I, my husband, we both like looked at each other and we're like, oh my God, I feel such a sense of pity right now. Like, I don't want to be like pitying my friends, but just seeing it for being, it, it just felt sad and stuck. And oh man, like, we're going to have a great experience in the mountains and you're not going to remember part of it. And like, you know, and then they woke up hungover the next day and you just see it and you're like, wow. And it doesn't matter if they're just ordering a glass of wine with their meal, because I still feel like, gosh, I'm so glad I'm not wasting my money anymore. Like all of the things, there's not a time where I'm like, wow, I wish I was back there. Poor me, you know, which is such a cool thing. But yeah, that's a great point. You know, one funny story that kind of brings that home and it's not directly related to alcohol, but uh, I backpack and I'm, living here in the east i've got a long-term project to finish the whole appalachian trail and right at my first year anniversary i uh i went down to georgia to hike like the first 200 miles and uh i was hiking along i've been going for about a week and it was actually the day was uh, april 20th so it was 420 day and you're out there with a lot of like uh, you know mostly a young demographic 
and uh, I'd stopped at this campsite and was camping and they've got a fire going and, you know, kids are sitting around passing around the, you know, the, the substance and, uh, and right up the trail, there was this um, overlook and I went up there and I saw probably the most amazing sunset I'd ever seen in my life. It was just absolutely perfect. And I, I was just awestruck by how amazing it was. And I got my pictures and sat there and it got dark and I walked back down there and, you know, of course, sitting around the fire, all these people like celebrating and they completely missed this amazing sunset because it was more important to sit around the fire and, and, you know, get high and, you know, substitute beer, uh, passing the flask around, you know, you, they, yeah. they missed it. They, they probably thought they were having a cooler experience, but yeah, sorry, you, you guys missed the whole thing right there. That's so interesting. So true. So true. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I'm, it's just great to be able, be in a place where like, okay, I know that that is not, not the case. So right. thank you so much. It's really been a pleasure. Yeah. I've had a great time talking to you. It's been fun. And again, I, I, uh, I do appreciate your work and uh, bringing your book out. It, it was, uh, it was big for me. It really, it's been, it's been a good touchstone for me. Uh, if I ever have the opportunity to recommend it to somebody in need, I certainly will. Well, I guess I'm doing that now. But uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's good. And it's been a pleasure to talk to you. Yeah, awesome. Well, have a great day. And thanks again for your time. This is such a, such a good story and, and really good tips that I think will help people a lot. Great. Thank you. Okay, bye. Let me ask you a question. What is better than change? (laughs) Lasting change, of course. And if you've had trouble making change stick, either with alcohol or in any other area of your life, you are in for a treat. I created the 100 Days of Lasting Change to ensure that we don't just change for a moment, but we truly transform for a lifetime. And this program is so close to my heart. Thousands of people have been through it and their results are incredible. But don't take my word for it. Check it out at thisnakedmind.com forward slash 100 days. And as always, rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast as it truly helps the message reach somebody who might need to hear it today.